Good morning and welcome to Echoes of Calvary. This is your host, Greg Sweeting. Thank you for opening your home to us this morning. I invite you to now open your hearts and worship with us as we share from the Word of God. Stay with us as we share comments and illustrations with a spiritual application, present special music to call us to worship, and in a few minutes, Pastor Alan Lee will come to share insights from Scripture and explain how to apply God's Word that we might grow to be complete in Christ. I was watching people again at the Fort Lauderdale airport waiting for my flight to be called. Across the terminal in another departure lounge I saw a woman seated at a small table with some food in front of her. She too was waiting on a flight to be called, I suppose. But what attracted my attention to her was the fact that alongside her table, by her side, was a wheelchair with the U.S. Airways logo on the side of it. It was obviously being used by this woman I saw over on the other side. But then I noticed that the wheelchair was full of bags and parcels. It dawned on me that she was not using the wheelchair for its intended purpose. She was using it as a trolley to carry her stuff around the airport. I confess that I wrestled with this situation for a while. Nothing else to do, of course. I did not know at the time all the circumstances around her acquisition of this wheelchair and how she came by it. Was she loaned it by U.S. Airways? Or did they even realize that she wanted it as a trolley? How did it look to us, other travelers swarming around the airport? Did she see it by the side somewhere waiting for use and decided to unceremoniously and unanimously to confiscate the wheelchair for her own selfish use? Who knows? The point to me is that the chair was meant to be used by the disabled and would be needed sooner or later for that purpose, but it was not available. It was filled with bags and parcels and being pushed along the airport later by a person who did not need a wheelchair at all. Oh, 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 oh,
much ado about nothing, all the stuff about the wheelchair, you might be thinking, maybe. It always surprises me to see how some people can be so presumptuous and selfish. Yes, I'm assuming that. Based on our ability to walk and be normal, she had pressed this wheelchair into service for her own benefit, depriving others who would be in need of the mobility provided by the chair to get around the airport. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but assuming my suspicions are correct, this woman was the direct opposite of what I would expect from anybody who would call themselves Christian. The Lord himself said that he had come to serve, not to be served. He displayed the attitude he expected of his followers by washing their feet, a practice still followed by some denominations today, though I suspect not many. It is quite a humbling experience, I imagine, so the practice is dying slow death somewhere around the world. But the concept does typify how our attitudes should function. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Do it to the least of your brethren. The philosophy is embedded in scripture, though not preached much. And I dare say practiced even less. In the modern world, it doesn't pay to be of this mindset. The general demeanor of those around us is me first. The I did it my way mentality. I could use that wheelchair over there to push my packages and make my burden easier to bear, so I'll just help myself to it. No one else is using it anyway. And you know what? I don't see it changing in the future. Just getting worse.
now with his message for today. Here is Senior Pastor Emeritus, Alan Lee. Greetings and a blessed Father's Day greeting to all fathers. May today be a time of joy and rejoicing for all as you experience God's good hand upon you through your children. To fathers who have lost their children and children who have lost their fathers, we pray that you will nonetheless experience God's good hand upon you today. We encourage you, of course, to attend the church today, where the word of God is proclaimed accurately and the true worship of God is celebrated in the power of the Spirit of God. Be blessed as you celebrate this special day. Now, as explained in previous messages, we began a series of messages on marriage and the family on this past Mother's Day, with the plan to conclude the series today on Father's Day. However, due to the importance of the subject and the fact that I have only been able to deal with the doctrinal and theological aspects involved, I will extend the focus for several additional weeks so we would be able to make a few pertinent and essential applications of these biblical principles and concepts. So today, on Father's Day, I would like to make a few conclusions and give an overview of of what we have covered thus far concerning marriage and the family. Now, as you may recall, we have been dealing with the perversions that have been introduced into marriage and the family due to the failure of the first parents to stay true to the word of God. They rebelled against his authority over them by listening to the voice of Satan rather than the voice of God. In our last message, we looked at the perversions or judgments that were self-imposed in verses 1 through 13 and began to look at some that were divinely imposed by God himself. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, we saw that the serpent was cursed in a twofold way. First, it was cursed as the creature used by Satan. Verse 14 says, and I quote, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. End of quote. Now, this does not mean that the serpent was cursed more than all other creatures, but rather that of all of them, of all of them, he was the one that was cursed, none other. Here's how J.N. Darby translates this verse, quote, Be thou cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. The Good News translation says, You will be punished for this. You alone of all the animals must bear this curse. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. End of quote. In other words, this will be a mark of humiliation and disgrace, not meaning that the dust will actually be the food of the serpent. But secondly, he was also cursed as Satan, the fallen angel who used the serpent. Verse 15 says, quote, I will put enmity between you and the woman, referring to both of them as heads of two different peoples, rather than referring, for instance, to the woman in general, or woman in general. And then it says, and between your seed 
and Hasid, referring to Satan and those who Jesus called the children of the devil, and to Christ specifically and his redeemed ones. It is an ongoing war between Satan and Jesus Christ, and those who pledge allegiance to them respectively. We looked at that last time. But now notice the next phrase in this statement, and I quote, He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. End of quote. My friends, this is the first gospel message. It refers to the cross of Jesus Christ. It is what some theologians call the Proto-Evangelium. Now, to recap some of the points we covered last time, note that first, the focus of Eve's judgment was her relationship to her husband and her role as a mother. Let me repeat that. The focus of Eve's judgment was her relationship to her husband and her role as a mother both of which were a blessing in God's original mandate to the couple in Genesis 1, verses 28-30. As a result of this judgment, however, the mandate to procreate, which was a blessing, is now to be fulfilled through multiplied pain in childbirth. The sinful result of this is that childbearing could now be regarded as a curse by some because of both the physical and emotional pain of bearing and rearing children. It is something to be shunned rather than embraced with joy. Women would then be tempted and even encouraged to consider such things as abortion and birth control to prevent this consequence of Eve's sin. However, their use takes away from the intimacy and stamp of divine approval upon sexual relations for fear of having unwanted children, so-called, thus distorting the intended purpose of God in marriage that such relationships be a joy and a blessing. But thirdly, the woman's created role as co-ruler with her mate is also perverted. She will now have an inherent but fallen desire for Adam's position of authority. She will continue to desire independency apart from the rulership of the man, but he will nonetheless continue to have dominance over her, even to the point of using sinful force. The end result is that Eve's sin frustrated and distorted God's rulership image in the marriage relationship. The man will now have to rule over a resistant woman rather than rule with a cooperating helpmate. Now, because of the judgment, God's image is seen in man under sin. That is, his original purpose is marred and distorted because of sin. And because of this, the true nature and meaning of a shared authority among equals cannot be adequately demonstrated as intended by God by men and women in the fallen condition. And so it is clear that the present-day struggle for who's the boss in the marriage and home has a spiritual cause, not a social one. But the sinful consequences of Adam and Eve's sin do not end there. The process for the man's support of his family is also perverted. Hear the word of God in Genesis 3, verses 17 through 19. 
Quote, Then to Adam God said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it, cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread, till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. End of quote. In other words, that work which was intended by God to be a joy is now sorrow and toil because of this sin. Because of this, sin causes men to forsake their responsibility to caring for their families through work as designed by God. That's why the Apostle Paul warns Christian husbands not to neglect providing for their families. To do so, he says, would make them to be worse than unsaved infidels, those who are still living under the curse of Adam and Eve's sin and disobedience. Something else. Now, please note this. Adam is not cursed, but the ground is. Other consequences of the fall that has perverted and distorted God's intended purpose for marriage and the family are that the woman's priorities shifts from the husband-wife relationship to the home-children concern. This is seen as we move through the book of Genesis. The husband is no longer her priority. Children are. That is the implication drawn from chapter 3, verse 20, for instance, which says, The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. But also, as we move into chapter 4 of the book of Genesis, we see that both sibling relationships in the home and worship in the home are also perverted. The first conflict, in fact, in the home is because of worship. The story is told in detail in Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 15. God accepts Abel's worship, but rejects Cain's. This causes resentment and jealousy on the part of Cain, and there's problems within the family. He now wants to kill Abel, and he did. Fourth, polygamy is introduced also in Genesis chapter 4, verse 19, as the effects of the curse begins to take effect in the family. It says that Lamech took to himself two wives. The name of the one was Ada, the name of the other Zillah. That's Genesis 4, 19. This was a perversion of God's intended one-man-one-woman marriage relationship. God's divine purpose for marriage in the family was marred because of Satan's devilish perversion that came about through his deception of Eve and the compliance of Adam that led them to rebel against the word and will of God. But now here is the good news to all of this, my friends. These perversions these devilish perversions and judgments that have distorted, frustrated, and destroyed God's divine purpose for marriage and the family can be corrected and reversed through the application of the effects of Christ's redemption on the cross to husband and wife and parents and children 
both individually and corporately as a family unit. And my friends, I want to repeat and emphasize this. This is the only true and lasting solution and remedy to these kinds of situations within marriage and the family. We must go back to the basics of Scripture and rebuild a foundation for the marriage and home from the bottom up, as it were. We must go back to the original design. Our family and social problems are not material or sociological in nature. They're spiritual at its root and core. Friends, we have abandoned the word of God and the commands of Christ the same way Adam and Eve abandoned God's command in the Garden of Eden. The way back is the same as it was for them, a covering by the righteousness of God that only comes as a result of the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ on the cross. For the believer, this means confession of sin and return to the word of God in every aspect of our marital and family life, turning our back on the philosophy of the world and submitting to the word of God regardless of how difficult it may cause us to live. Friends, I say again, here is the good news. Jesus' work on the cross has cancelled the effects of the fall as it relates to marriage and the family. His indwelling presence enables and equips all believers to restore and affect God's original purpose in the marriage and family relationships. It is impossible for anyone else to do so otherwise. We must not listen to the voices of this world or our culture or the flesh or the devil. We must heed the word of God alone. That is the only way we will be able to rebuild the foundation of marriage and a home in our decaying society. I trust that you will do so today. As always, this is Senior Pastor Emeritus Alan Lee saying, Sila, think and act on these things. It can happen in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. It could happen in a moment, he could break the eastern sky. Unworthy, yet how happy we will be when the Savior comes from heaven, when his blessed face we see. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, Keep listening for that shout, Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. Therefore evermore to stay, hold the fort a little longer, in your struggle over sin, 
Yeah. 